The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back, my friends. Thanks for joining us again as we continue our study through the book of Matthew. Uh, We are in Matthew chapter 20. So if you're following along, uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter 20, verse 17. Again, we're glad you're here. Commend you for making the Word of God a part of your day, Uh, whether you're seeking the truth, uh, whether you're just trying to find more help and information, whether you are a Christian just trying to learn and be encouraged. We're glad you're here and hope that this time will be profitable and encouraging to you. Again, Matthew chapter 20, uh, we're in verse number 17, and we're going to jump through again a bigger chunk of scripture, but I believe uh, there's three great principles or three great great things we can see from these verses about Jesus and about, shall we say, his expectation upon Christians and disciples. And really, he he actually gives his prescription for greatness in this passage. So uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse number 17, now Jesus going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. So what's happening in this passage is uh, they are heading up to the Passover in Jerusalem. Every, uh, this is something that was a common practice supposed to be done. If you go back to Luke 2, this is where Jesus was left behind. The kind of Usually often the entire neighborhoods would travel together. And if you see when Jesus was left behind, uh, they thought he was with the friends in the caravan. So you have this idea that there is a large group of people traveling back to Jerusalem for the Passover. And as they're traveling, Jesus decides he wants to give some description of what's about to happen, kind of warn his disciples. So he pulls the the 12 men aside and he begins to tell them what's going to happen. He says that I'm going to be, you know, we're going to be betrayed into the hands of the chief priests. Uh, I will be tortured. I will be crucified. But then he says they will raise again the third day. This is not the only time that Jesus would give this information. But yet we must remember that it still wasn't always fully caught as to what it was. For some reason, whatever it is, the, the disciples never, they heard it, but they never really grasped onto what was being said. Now, I think we've all been there at some point where we have such an opinion of what we think's happening. We miss what's being said, what Jesus is doing. You would assume that 12 men who are walking with Jesus uh, would hear this and see this. But I love the fact that when you study Jesus, you realize that sometimes even people watching him and standing with him uh, can miss some things. And really what we'll see in a moment is the premise, at least in my opinion, is that these men were still so convinced that this Messiah, this Jesus, the Messiah, was going to into Jerusalem to sit on the throne. He's going to throw off Rome, the oppression, and that the time for him to establish his earthly kingdom was then, which is not true. Uh, The Bible states that it's still in our future. Jesus will come as a conquering king. Uh, The first thing he had to come, and the first time he came as a sacrificial lamb, to take away the sins of the world. Then he will come back in our future as a conquering king, and he will sit on the throne of David, his father, and will rule the world from that throne. That is going to come, and that is still to happen. That wasn't the reason he came at this time. Uh, And so they got this information, which is one, another reminder of Jesus claiming himself to be the Messiah, 
and then later, uh, but a reminder of these men of what's going to come. I appreciate the fact he's willing to warn his own leaders about this, his servants, shall we say. But then he kind of jumps in to, we see a story of how he describes you can achieve greatness in this kingdom. Verse 20, then the mother of Zebedee's sons, which would be James and John, uh, came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking him something, uh, asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant to these uh, two, my, two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now understand the premise behind this was these are two positions of greatness. Um, and so great power, great position of authority to sit on either side of the king. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus now sits on the right hand of God. So it gives in that in, the, in, in heaven on the throne. So you get an understanding of the prominence of what she's asking for. Now, I think it's in Mark, we see actually that these two men were the one that asked for it. Really what we get from that is that while the mother in the, is the one doing it, this was their idea, or at least they were in agreement with it. Uh, verse 22, but Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I am, about, I am baptized with? So Jesus says, do you realize the extent? Again, in, in the way I see, I believe this is that they're looking for the earthly kingdom. Said so like, of course you're ready for this. Jesus is referencing the spiritual kingdom. And he says, well, to get what you're looking for in the kingdom is going to come at great cost here, end uh, of verse 22, these two men, they said to him, we are able. Now notice this was not a bit of a sarcastic question. Jesus wasn't pointing to them, you're not able. He was asking him if they were and, and, and acknowledging they were because he states later they would. He, he agrees with them, verse 23. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my Father. He says, you will go through this. Now, the authority given. Now, it's intriguing, really, the way this is described is Jesus says, God is the one who establishes, I will hand it out, but God is the one that allows that spot. We know one day, Jesus, we will, we will come to the judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat, as it is described. And it is Jesus sitting on the throne. We will be judged for our works, judged for what we did with our talents. And God is the one that establishes the awards. Jesus is the one that implements them. But Jesus will still be the one offering this. But God is the one who establishes, who is prepared. God has that set. Verse 24, and when the 10 heard it, so now we jump into back to the human realm and we see these other uh, men very angry by this. And when the 10 heard it, the other 10 disciples, they were greatly displeased with the true brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. So they were mad. And so Jesus jumps in and teaches. He goes, you are viewing all of this from the aspect of the unsaved world, the Gentiles of the unsaved world. You're viewing this from the Roman perspective. Uh, this is the way the Romans handled it. He's going back to that type of authority being set up. And he says, you, uh, you've missed the fact um, this, that the rulers of the world look at this differently. Um, I've lost my place here. Let's go to verse 20, 26. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So what happens is he starts off with what we said is you're looking at this from the wrong perspective. You're looking at this from the perspective of the world, that greatness is something you go after so that you can lord it over other people. He says, let me give you the reality of how to achieve greatness in the kingdom. First of all, I do find it intriguing. I read this. It was Tony Evans who said this. Jesus is not saying to not seek greatness or to not seek to do great things for God. He's saying... Um, you got to look at it differently. In the world, we see greatness kind of by climbing over other people. Greatness is how much power I have, how much success I have, and how many people I can go over and be above in power and authority and influence uh, to be considered great. Jesus says that's not the way this is. To be great in the kingdom of heaven is to be the servant. So the greatest, he says... um, even Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. So he goes, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Let him be your servant. This is the mindset. In the world, we achieve it by overcoming other people. In God's kingdom, to find greatness, to find, uh, if you want, for lack of better words, to find greatness, how do we achieve it? By being the greatest servant. This is what Jesus identified. This is what Jesus was an example of. And this is what he asks of us in the church. The best way to be effective in the church for God and for the kingdom simply comes down to being the greatest servant. It's, it's very counterculture, very opposite to the way the world sees it, which is pretty much everything about Jesus and the kingdom and church. It's opposite. It's counterculture as it should be. Uh, because the, the culture is very self-centered and humanistic. May we see that. May we see this and, and strive to be more like what we see here. Find a way to be the greatest servant we can for others. You say, sometimes I feel used and abused. Well, if I'm serving God, being used is the greatest thing we can. And that doesn't, always, you know, that doesn't mean they're always going to thank us. That doesn't always mean we're going to be rewarded. That's for God to deal with. We just give what we have and we move forward. And we let God take care of those things and let him deal with rewards in the end. Well, thanks again for joining us on this Tuesday morning, giving me a chance to be part of your day. I greatly appreciate the privilege uh, to be able to teach God's word. Hope it's an encouragement. Uh, Today's a bit of a challenge, and I hope we embrace this challenge to be more of what Christ and more what the world needs today. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.